You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, my special guest is going to talk to you about how to conquer any fear in your life. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. I have a very different, unique type of guest that I'm bringing to you on the show. He is a professional big wave surfer, and we are going to talk about fear. And if there's anyone qualified to speak about managing and handling fear, it's probably going to be somebody who rides 60 foot tall waves like it ain't no thing. So I want to tell a little bit of the backstory here and how Mark and I got connected and whatnot. Started with a couple of years ago when I went to Fiji for a surf trip for the first time. I actually talked about this on the podcast. Can't tell you what episode, but I almost drowned <laughs> while I was out there. Pretty scary moment, you know, because the waves are different. The break is different. It's a reef break and I'm used to, you know, a sand or shore type break back home. So you can get held under for a lot longer as you're just kind of, you know, dragged along the reef. And that happened to me and I panicked. And of course, as soon as I panicked, all my oxygen went out. You know, it was uh, instant. When I finally came up, it was like, I don't know, you know, who knows, right? But it's like, it, to me, in my experience of it, it felt like that was the last second of breath that I had left in me. So, you know, that kind of gave me a little, you know, PTSD in a sense, because I, I started to notice I was a little bit nervous, you know, doing the same kind of dumb stuff I do. I did, I did go back the next year. And of course, it's like record size waves in Fiji the next year. And we were so lucky to have today's guest actually came and spoke there. And his name's Mark Visser. And we'll, I'll do his official bio in a minute. And he started talking to us about water safety. I was like, oh, great. You know, is, you know, and be smart and all this type of stuff. And what was really blowing my mind is where the conversation went. You know, when you think about water safety, you're thinking, okay, maybe we should just, you know, it's about learning, positioning yourself in the waves and and what to do and stuff like that. And that's not at all where it went. I mean, he, he talked about those things, but it took a turn that I was not expecting. And it, and it was a turn inward into our relationship with fear and the nature of fear itself. And he's going to share just his own beautiful journey. And I won't take it away from him, but this is somebody that started with a very traumatic near death drowning experience as a young child. So he grew up with a very, dare I say, like a rational fear of the water, you know, like just, just being in the water scared him. And now he's, you know, one of the most like famous big wave surfers on the planet. So, you know, if he can do it and has had those experiences, maybe we have something we can learn because what you're going to hear in this episode is this isn't about people that are doing extreme sports. It's about applying that same psychology and what he has to share into business. Because I've talked about this so many times before, guys, the fear that I had in my business, the fear this isn't going to work. And then of course it starts working and you say, it's not going to last. And I didn't realize how much fear was driving my life and chances are neither do you. And when I started to recognize it and transmute it and release it, things changed. I realized how much I was still operating from that constricted fear. And we can't do that. If we want to help more people, if we want to, if we want to expand, we can't be contracting. And so I just thought, I got to get this guy on the show. Josh, who's a member of our team, Josh Shadanio, Jilly's husband was there with me took him out there to have this Fiji experience. And he told me that that presentation, he's convinced like that saved his life because, you know, we both had some hairy moments of big waves and there's just rogue waves that come out of nowhere. So it's not like you can just look and be like, oh, it's, it's tame today. You know, you go out there and it's tame and then you get one rogue wave and you're right in front of it. And it's just this tower of water staring down at you. If you aren't prepared, if you haven't trained mentally as well as physically, but mentally, you're gonna be in big, big trouble. 
you know, Josh told me, especially when he heard he was, Mark was coming on, he's like, I think that guy saved my life while I was out there just from his talk. So I'm hoping this talk can help save your life, your business life, because it's so powerful and it's such an amazing topic. I hope you'll listen to it. You know, if you're, if you're an extreme sports person or whatever, that's, that's great. But listen to it from the lens of the business owner that is feeling fear on a daily basis. Now, that fear is masked as logic. It's masked as stress. It's masked as frustration. It's masked as perfectionism. So you're like, I don't have any fear. I'm fearless. I'm awesome. But I got to make this thing perfect and the timing isn't right. And someone's already doing this, right? So you got to start noticing how that fear hides itself from you, masks itself in other ways, okay? And how it's holding you back. So I hope you'll listen from that lens because it can be so powerful and so beneficial. And it's probably not going to be what you think. What we're going to talk about is probably not what you think. So that's why I, I think this is such a great conversation. So just a little bit about Mark himself. So Mark's an Australian professional big wave surfer. He's an author and keynote speaker and ocean adventurer. Now he's best known for being the first person to surf Hawaii's most dangerous wave, Jaws, in Maui at night. Yes, he did this at night. You can go search for this video. It's a documentary called Night Rider. He's also the 2014 and 2015 big wave paddling champion and three-time runner-up for the ASL Big Wave Awards. He is known as one of the fittest watermen in the world, and he's a coach to many world champion athletes, professional sports teams, business, and elite military groups around the world. And he's my guest today here on the Mind Your Business podcast to talk to you about the nature and relationship that we have with fear. So let's get into it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for this episode. I got a very, very special guest with us, Mark Visser. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm really excited about this because I think for our listeners, this is going to be a very relevant topic and a very important topic, but a very unique and different guest than anyone we've had. Just so you know, Mark, we have a lot of people that are like entrepreneurs, and I know you're very entrepreneurial, but like entrepreneurial experts, and that's not really where you got your start. And I'll, I'll let you reveal that in a moment, but... When I first heard you speak in, in Fiji, I was like, how do I get this guy on the show? Because he's just going to blow people's <laughs> minds. So why don't we start there? Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are, <laughs> what you do, and your world? Yeah, cool. Well, I guess my name is Mark Nissa, and I am a big wave surfer. That's probably my, my background, where I came from. But it never really sort of started off there. It kind of ended up there, so to speak. So initially... I was born in an area where it's like farmland, country land, and I was really afraid of the water. Like I nearly drowned when I was a kid. And so I kind of grew up the opposite to what I ended up. And I was really just driven to overcome that element of fear because I, I loved the water. But in the same time, um, I had a childhood experience that was so traumatic that basically I wouldn't want to have a bath or anything for years apparently. Wow. And uh, I didn't learn to swim properly till I was about 10 years old. So in Australia where I live, it's quite a warm tropical kind of environment that we moved to after I was 10 and I was sort of forced into this ocean or water environment and my world was kind of flipped upside down. So it's really odd how things turned out but essentially you know I, I was confronted with those demons of of fear just constantly like and, and an overwhelming feeling the whole time of I don't feel safe here and yet I loved the warm water and I loved playing on the beach but every time I'd go out sort of past my waist I'd have this real strong anxiety which I never really knew what it was and it wasn't sort of until my parents said to me oh yeah well, you remember when this happened and it was like, ah, oh, I remember that feeling. Like, And it all started to make sense. But long into my teens, even when I started to get good at surfing, I still had this heavy underlying issue of fear, of not feeling in control and not feeling safe in the water. So it kind of became like a life mission to prove to the inner child that I wasn't afraid anymore. I think that alone was so powerful because you, you share with that when you spoke to us. So just to give some context, every year we do this kite surfing and surfing trip out in Fiji and Namotu and uh, everyone was kind of whispering, we got a real special guest. And I know you're a very humble dude, so I really want to 
because a lot of our listeners are not a part of the surfing world at all, but anyone who is like, they most likely know you, you know, and the people you've worked with and the work you've done in that industry is, is amazing. But when you said that line to us, where you're like, I just decided I'm going to conquer this fear. I'm going to prove that, you know, that I can't like, what an amazing and, and empowering decision because a lot of people grow up with these fears and then these fears control their you know, their life. So I just think that's such yeah. a, you know, first beautiful step. So th thanks for sharing that. But let me ask just so people really get, because I remember when I first met Michael Maidens, you know, he was talking about you. As soon as we saw we had a connection in surfing, he was talking about you and some of the things you've done. Can you go a little deeper in that? I know you're a very humble guy, you know, but you've been able to, well, first of all, you were sharing footage of how you intention, like intentionally put yourself like in life-threatening situations. When we talk about big waves, like what does a big wave mean? And who are some of the people that you've personally worked with? Yeah, okay, so what they say from a big wave perspective is it's not really considered a big wave until it's about 30 foot or bigger. So for a big wave event to run, it has to be basically a minimum of 30 foot face height for that to actually be considered a starting point for a big wave. So that's sort of the space that you start in. <laughs> and, yeah. um, then it's measured on velocity and like how heavy it is, like how much sort of power that 30 foot wave has and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of like the starting point. And I'd pushed myself to the point where I've surfed waves up to like the 70 foot mark. And, and can I, I ask a question there? When you're saying 30 to 70 feet, are we measuring the back or the front of the wave? The face. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Measuring the face. Mm -hmm. So the biggest wave ever ridden to date in the world, I think, is about 80 foot or 82 wow. feet from a place called uh, Nazare in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, the next biggest wave was a little bit smaller at Piahi in Jaws in Maui on Hawaii. So they're the kind of Hawaii's and Nazare in Portugal, the two major sort of big wave sort of spots. And I basically got to the point where I was pushing myself at every single one of these big wave spots. Also Mavericks in California, all those kind of waves. Like you'd go, I'd go to them all. It really was almost like theme parks. You were just constantly going to these big wave spots all year long, waiting for them to break and really just trying to test yourself and your ability. And even though I had success in riding big waves and I was a runner up in the big wave awards for about three years in a row, I was still always questioning whether I was still afraid. And that sort of led me to the point where I kind of wanted to prove without a shadow of doubt that I'd gotten over this. And then when I say I've gotten over this, what I mean is I'd gotten over that childhood fear. There was that feeling. It was more of a feeling that I was trying to overcome. And there was a feeling of still not feeling like I was in control. And that led me to do a project which was called Operation Night Rider where I wanted to surf Piahi, so Jaws, uh, one of the biggest waves in the world at night because I thought that would be the ultimate test of courage for me and I thought that would really prove to myself without a shadow of doubt that I'd moved on and that I was really trying to accept myself and it sounds so stupid but that's actually what I was seeking was self-love and self-acceptance mm. and that was the length that I was sort of pushing it to go to. And to answer your question before, like the training and the preparation that I put myself through was I started to think of what was it that scared me? So I thought, well, if you're stuck in front of a, you know, a 60 foot wave, that was this, the most overwhelming thing. Like you're thinking, okay, I'm stuck in front of it. I can't do anything. What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? So I continually started to figure out what was happening to me in those scary environments, what was happening underwater, what was happening to my body and what was happening to my mind. And then when I understood that, I started training for it and preparing for it. And then I got to the point where I was so confident in my training that I had a jet ski drive me in front of, you know, huge sets at Jaws and I was just jumping off in front of it, swimming in front of them, practicing these techniques to see if it was real, if I could re-replicate what I'd been doing in my training. So that was kind of the stuff. I want to pause and expand on that for a moment. Cause like I, I said, I, I, you, someone who's not a, in this world probably wouldn't even understand that without seeing the video. Cause we saw the videos, but you were being <laughs> towed out there and just throwing yourself basically inside a gigantic avalanche of water to just kind of 
train yourself in and it's not even a training i mean this is this is real like there's no way out otherwise you know <laughs> that's can you even describe what that looked like you said like when you're when you got a 60 foot wave because we were out there that, that year we were in namotu that was the biggest we've been i'm a, i'm a just like a fair weather surfer right and so that was big for me and there were times that i was you know staring up in a wave and your heart just like starts pounding and that pit in your stomach and the voice just goes this is it and Josh, who's a member of our team who was there, he said, I think Mark's training saved my life on that trip because he got himself into a few hairy spots and he was able to remember in, you know, as you're being thrown and tossed around what you told him. Can you give a little bit more for somebody that's never really surfed or been in, faced an experience like that? What is that like to see a 60 foot wave or a giant wall of water right in front of you? Well, it's the first time it happens to you it's the most overwhelming thing ever like you literally like you said you think this is it because you're looking up at such a heavy it's almost like a giant fishing boat tipped upside down on its side and it's you know 50 foot wide and the whole entire thing is going to crash and explode in front of you so your rational mind when you see that thinks how can i survive this because even a little waist high wave when a white water hits us that's waist high like it throws you upside down it literally yep. will drop you on your ass yep. <laughs> so when you see one that's you know 30 foot high in the sky it literally makes you just go like you know you, you you're looking left and right and you're then you end up just looking at the sky going help you know <laughs> this, this, that's what happens the first time. and it's and it's normally just like your head and shoulders that are out of the water so you're only you know 12 18 inches up from the water and yeah. it looks even higher yeah. Do you happen to know, like, how do I describe it? Because I know there must be some sort of metric. Like, you kind of, you said the word velocity, but like how many gallons of water at what, like pounds per second kind of force is coming down on a wave like that? Do you it's know? It's hard to say. I've heard it being referred to before as something like 27 Olympic swimming pools of water. That's the amount of, of weight they say. I mean... There's so many different waves yeah. and they're all measured in different... The, the way they can crack, you know, a tanker, like an ocean tanker or, a, you know, a huge cargo ship in half, like the velocity and the, and the weight of cubic metres of whatever it is that's hitting, it has to be something like ridiculous. But it's just a huge force that no matter how good a swimmer you are or how calm or whatever you are, you can't control that. So it's like... The training you do is really, it's a mental aspect because the physical element is taken out of your hands when the water and the power is so big. And I guess it's kind of like you really have to understand. The training that I did was I really had to understand what mentally happens and how the emotion of a a mental thought is then pixelated and, and transformed into your body. Like there's a process that happens. Like when you basically see something, then you feel it so that's the emotion that you have of it and then that totally stems down and and affects your body in so many different ways so literally organs in your body start shutting down you know heart rates are going through the roof Um, you know you start breathing in a totally different way your immune system shuts down all based on a thought so that's the really interesting Mm. part is prior to the actual annihilation of being hit by this huge explosion of water your body actually goes into a state and, like I said, organs shut down and things physically stop functioning from the emotion before it's happened. So that was the really interesting thing, understanding that process. And when I understood that, so I work for, like you said, if you don't um, know surfing, you probably might know these names. But even, so Kelly Slater, he's the 11-time world champion, best surfer ever. He's a guy I work for. I work for you know, the top level military groups from the SAS, I've worked with Navy SEALs, the best of the best. And what I understood was that process is relevant to everyone, whether you're a surfer, a Navy SEAL, a business person, anyone that is experiencing. So that wave, what I realized is that wave or that moment of high stress of, okay, this is going to crush me or my world is crushed or this experience is over. It actually hasn't happened yet and there's a gap that's happening in between that is physically affecting our body. And I was like, wow, this actually happens to every single person and it's got nothing to do with the water. Like I actually was able to understand the process of what was going on 
and then realized that this was actually really helpful for everyone because it's just a moment of high stress, mm. if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, and like we just have a great way of, you know, talking about it because we can explain, oh, well, there's 27 Olympic swimming pools about to crash. <laughs> in, in someone else's world, it might be, you know, a huge influx of work that's come in and they're like, how am I now going to process this? Or, you know, your business, it could have been turned on its head and there's a total different direction and everything's changed and you're like, Shit, this is equivalent to an overwhelming mass of, of water or weight coming to us. But the important thing was is understanding the process of what happens to our bodies and how our bodies completely shut down and understanding the process of reacting to that or responding to it. And that was the biggest thing when I understood that. I was like, ah, oh, if I react to this, then I'm going to go in the state of possibly dying. But if I can respond to it, I can change the game on what's happening. And this, wow. and it's when you get really good at that, then you learn the whole process of how this works. And that allows you to handle fear in a way that I've never been able to handle fear before because I was just constantly myself <laughs> a large portion of my life <laughs> yeah so before we go any further with that because i'm like i i love that you drew that connection for our listeners because they someone might have been saying but i don't plan on surfing <laughs> but yeah, yeah. we all can experience fears every day in our yeah. business big and, and little right so before we continue i'm curious because you said you know it was like surfing and that was something i we only touched on for just a second because i've seen the video we're gonna have to link up the video for people you like people are afraid to go out at night period let alone go surfing at night but you're surfing one of the biggest breaks in the world at night where a helicopter had to have a spotlight on you as you wrote it was that it was that the final chapter of the book that kind of had you say i proved it i'm i'm good was that what you were looking for in one way, it was, it was, and look, I'll be upfront about it. Mm -hmm. It was really crazy to see that I had to push myself to the point of that to find self acceptance. Mm. You know, so really, if I were to, if I were to pull myself out of that situation, and if I, if I said, well, what was that individual searching for? It was self acceptance and self love. And I'm like, far out. You can literally go to the point of nearly killing yourself for that. So, what happened from that experience was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because I was, for the first time, able to believe that I was worthy, which is the craziest thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really feel is so important to help other people understand is they don't have to go to the point of nearly killing themselves to feel like they're worthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me. But it was a turning point in understanding what was possible. And it was a turning point in realizing that you don't have to put yourself through that to understand this process. So I'm grateful to use myself as an example to others to prevent them doing stupid shit like I just did. A hundred percent. Yeah. At the same time, it was something that I needed to understand to be able to then share the process of that experience to help other people. Of course. Uh, and it didn't, it never came from that place. It came from the place of ego. It came from the place of someone that was so scared and wanted to prove that, you know, oh, well, I can do it, you know, versus, well, I can help other people. Like, I, I realized that afterwards, but at the time, I was really just a, a scared boy wanting to prove that I was worth caring about myself, which is more of an ego kind of thing, you know. And when I understood that, I was like, oh, wow, well, there's so much more to it than this. Yeah. And it really opened my eyes up to a much more beautiful thing. So that was really cool. Well, that's beautiful too. Cause we talk, I mean, who would have thought bringing a big wave surfer on, we'd be talking about these things. This is what we talk about on the show. I mean, this is, this is very important. I, I love that you're sharing this. Is it fair to say from your experience that when you're in a place of that self-love and self-acceptance that it transmutes or dissolves a lot of fear in your life? Did you see a correlation there? Look, at the time when that first happened, it was really, it was a journey within, like it was mm. something that at the time I was probably so absorbed in my own little world that it took a while for that to really sink in. That whole experience was something that I probably went to the other side of, oh, wow, look what I can do. Now that I've done this, I can do anything, right? right? So it probably enhanced the ego even more. <laughs> mm. And it's, it's funny, I can laugh about it because it's, yeah, it's, only me <laughs> but in, in saying that i it, it did that 
but it then allowed me to go full circle and then realize that whole process and it absolutely did it then changed everything else afterwards yeah. exactly like you said that's oh, so awesome so one of the things that you talked about that i wrote down that I, I really enjoyed was you know you said something to the effect and i just want to start to connect these dots and see if you can expand upon it a bit was that sensation that anxiety that fear you felt was like that need to be in control and acknowledging that you weren't and then at the same time realizing that in conquering your fear you had to realize that the whole physical part of your body and what's going to happen in the water is completely out of your hands. If it can break a, a ship in half, you know, there's really little you can do to control that, but it is about controlling the mental. And I'm wondering if we could really just start there and talk a little bit about this idea of control, people's need to control, letting go of control. And it almost feels like, I don't want to say a paradox, but the, I don't know, this beautiful like yin and yang or, or whatnot, where we can rarely control the things we want to control, but then don't choose to control the things that we really need to be controlling, which is like those thoughts. Can you speak to that? Was that kind of your experience as you went on this journey? hundred percent. And everything that I've learned, what I have learned is all you can control is being in the now, right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things that I understood was being in a state where there is no reference to the past, the present, sorry, the, or, you know, trying to control that present situation or an outcome or the future and by literally i trained myself to go into a, a state that they refer to as transient hypofrontality where the prefrontal cortex of your brain which is the part of your brain that is measuring time it's measuring experiences that have happened fear-based experiences like oh you nearly drowned as a kid how long have you been underwater? Oh, this is how long is it going to be after? How long are you going to stay down here for? So that it's constantly referencing things all the time. And what you just said there is when I tried to control a situation, like I need to get out of the water now, or I've been down here too long. These are situations where I'm trying to control outcomes. And what I've really understood is I can't control outcomes. I can't control the future. I can have an idea of what I think is going to happen, but that's about as far as I can go. So I can prepare for things. I can set things in place to be ready for potential things. But in the actual moment of that experience, if I can get into a transient hypofrontality state, that means I temporarily slow down that overthinking part of my mind and I'm allowed to just be present in that moment. And in that moment is where I'm absolutely firing on all cylinders and my absolute best. I'm totally free of fear because I can't reference past or present, whatever. I can't reference those fear-based emotions. I can't reference time. So there's no need to worry about how long have I been down here for or how long am I going to be here for. Mm -hmm. So I'm allowed to just be. And when any individual, whether it's a, a football player a surfer, a business person, someone that's just in that state. The, the kind of buzzword people use is flow, right. right? but it's essentially just means you're in the now, you're in that moment. And when you can experience that, that's when you're in your highest state of power. So I do a lot of exercises and I train a lot of people to understand, like we might set up a task where there's three tasks ahead of one. And if at any point, they're trying to focus on task two during task one, it'll totally screw them up. Wow. So we're doing it on purpose to teach them how to stay here now. And when you can constantly do that and keep, that's a beautiful place. When you're in the now, mm -hmm. every time that's freedom, like that's your state of you can just be in, in the most scariest, craziest situations. Like, you know, if you get flipped around and your ankles are literally nearly kicking you in the face, you know, from the back of your head, which is really hard to do. And I don't know how that happens sometimes in the water when you're getting smashed so bad. <laughs> when you can stay in those that moment of being present, like right now, and, and you know, what does this mean? doesn't matter. Just, you know, constantly just staying there. Mm. It's the purest thing that I've ever experienced. I've been in situations where, like, I've had a, I have a breath hold of over six minutes, but I've been in situations where I was so present in the now and I had the, one of the coaches just notify me that I was at the three-minute mark and I felt like I'd been in the water for 20 seconds. Wow. And I was like, how is that possible? Because it's like you go into a time war mm -hmm. where time doesn't exist. And that's the coolest thing and that's the experience that I've seen happen in business with people as well where they've, they've got overwhelming things coming but yet they don't choose to focus on that. They just focus on what's in front of them. 
and they can it's like that it's like a dance they can stay there and perform and just move around and do what needs to be done at the exact moment and everything else sort of doesn't matter and it's like i feel like that is the thing in life that if we can all stay there that's like that's the place where the most excitement and joy is because you then you you get everything so to speak mm. i love that it's so beautiful so then fear when we feel fear is it safe to say then then that we're not living in the moment because our attention is on what might be yeah that's exactly right well from my experience you mm-hmm. know my experience is that as soon as i live in fear i'm actually living in the future because right now in any moment i'm still processing that moment we talk about like an example of you know when you see like a warrior and he's standing on a field and there might be 10 horses coming at him and the odds are just stacked against that one guy and he's like you know how the hell would one man defeat you know or, or one woman defeat you know all these these other warriors that are coming at them and we sort of pause it and talk about like imagine if that person got fixated and said okay i'm going to take you know this horse on the right it's coming at me that's the first horse i'm going to take in that moment that person has already decided what's going to happen in the future if one of the other horses fired an arrow from the back of the the pack you know and that guy's or that girl's focusing on that that one horse that they've really zoomed in on they're never going to see the arrow they're mm. going to get taken out before the battle even happens and we always talk about that process of being able to just be free and you see it happen in sporting fields where everyone's chasing this one person and, and they're just somehow magically stepping around and it's like buildings are falling around in front of them, but they're just free. It's when they're in that moment, but when they if they go one step ahead of, oh, no, this guy's going to crush me, that's normally when that happens because you're allowing it to come to fruition when it's really maybe three seconds from happening, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when you can constantly stay in that period of, I'll deal with whatever's happening right now. Whatever's happening right now, I'm ready for that because that can change. And so when I started to understand that, it's like I'll give you a real quick example. Yeah. If I looked up and I saw a, a 60-foot wave coming and I'm in front of it, I'm like, that's a huge wave. It's going to smash right in front of me. If I went into the thing of like, I'm probably going to die or this is huge, I'm going to get smashed, that thought has created an emotion and my body has then gone through the whole feeling of fear and it's tensed up it's locked up and the way i function has already completely changed to what i'd actually want versus if i said okay it hasn't hit me yet i'm just going to move to the left now i'm going to focus on breathing now i'm going to focus on minimizing muscle movements and if i went through that process i'm still not in fear just yet because i'm actually dealing with what i want to deal with in that moment and then that thing might explode in front of me and then I'm still going through the motions of what I know I need to do. And that's how I've learned how to get through situations that are crazy that people are like, you know, how how do you survive that? Yeah. But it's a process and it's like everyone can do the same thing, but it's all they had to really do is stick to what they need to do in that moment versus like I'm talking one second ahead or two seconds ahead, you're too far in the future. Like wow. in those crazy situations you know when you're exiting an aircraft from 5,000 feet up and something goes wrong this is another situation that happened to me like seconds ahead is a too far ahead versus right now like just right now that's the kind of space that I've practiced these situations or processes in and that's how I've learned how to manage them yeah gosh that's incredible and I've one of the reasons why I love this too is I always have seen correlations as you know, with surfing and, and life and, and business, you know, because yeah. part of that, when that wave's crashing in front of you, that, you know, there is very little that you can do to change that circumstance that is right in yeah. front of you. And it does require so much of that letting go. You know, one of the things I think you said that helped, you know, save Josh's life and, and helped me as well. Cause I had some hairy situations is similar to what you're talking about. It was like when you're, it's so, it just seems so analogous to me. It's like the more you're trying to fight it and control it under the water, like that just zaps your oxygen and that that's just going to make things worse. I remember having, where I started, I got, I got knocked bad on a wave and I, I could just feel myself getting pushed and I couldn't come back up. And there was that moment where I started to panic. And then I remembered, you know, what you taught us and you just, 
you let go and you get, you get into that present and it's like, I'm like, that's the only way I think I could have survived that. It really is. And so, so much with business, like, you know, the more you struggle, the more you fight, the more you're in fear, like the more it's going to take you down. So this is, this is amazing. I don't know, like where do, where, where do you want to go from here? Like where, where would you suggest, like when someone starts feeling that fear, is there a first thought? Like, cause you said there's that gap and I think that's so important. Is there either an exercise or a tip or a piece of advice for someone where they can start to catch it? Cause here's the kind of things that people are going to be afraid of doing their first podcast episode doing that first Facebook live, that first time they make that pitch or that offer, that first time they're speaking at an event, you know, or maybe the fifth time, whatever, right? You know, I've seen it. People are pacing back and forth before and they're sweaty palms. And what else can help somebody in, in that moment? I mean, the, the answer is, you said it, like just be in the now, be in the present. Yeah. And it's funny too, because, you know, I work with a lot of people and help a lot of people and it's easy for, and it's, it's great when they throw it back in my face and go, okay, cool, man. Yeah. So 60 foot waves come and just be in the now. They're like, you know, F that. Like, <laughs> right. Now, easy, easy for you to say, buddy. You know what I mean? So <laughs> let's bring it into a, like a realistic moment. The process is really, like you said, if someone's about to do a speech for the first time or the sixth time, or they've got a, a parameters of what, is like their level of fear of what they can manage. So you, you want to start it off. You've got to start it off at some point. So, you know, like, for example, the first time I surfed a 10-foot wave, it was scary. Then 12-foot was the new overwhelming. Then 15, then 20, then 30, 40, 50, right? That's sort mm -hmm. of the process of how it goes. So it's the same for the first speech you do, you know, the second speech, the third, the fourth, the fifth. So the process is the level of, you know, of like, whoa, how, or the crowd, or there's 20 people, or now there's a hundred, there's a thousand. <laughs> right. And that's the same. It's the same kind of thing. And then you realize throughout the whole thing, you actually can't control anything there. Like nothing's actually happening. So then it comes back to you. So you're like, okay, well then let's press pause here and let's just think about when I talk my best, if I'm the speaker and if I'm about to walk on stage, how do I feel when I talk? What does that look like? So it's almost like you want to press pause on the tape and then pay attention to yourself as an individual and really zoom in on, let's go with the physiology of your body. Like, okay, how would you be standing, right? Because this is what we do in the ocean when you're understanding, like there's people that can hold their breath for, you know, nine minutes on a, on a breath hold. And then there's people that take pure oxygen and then they hold their breath for like 20 minutes. It's kind of like taking steroids and lifting weights, but, mm, <laughs> wow. but you know, there's, there's people that can do crazy, crazy kind of things there. And it's like, that isn't relevant to the actual part that we're trying to focus on. So a person going underwater is different for different environments. So what you really have to focus on is it may not just be the breath hold. It's, this is the point I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. It's how, your body is burning oxygen, how it's responding to the situation. So if you're, a, let's just throw it back to a speaker or someone about to do their speech, it may not just be about the tone of your voice. It's how you're breathing before you speak. It's how you stand, which makes you feel a certain way. So like if we zoomed in on that and said, okay, when you've, you've filmed yourself practicing at home and you were so comfortable and you were delivering the speech in a way that you thought, yeah, this is awesome, like notice what you're doing, pay attention. Were you smiling? You know, what, what was your posture like? Those things can be replicated. So it's then a matter of then practicing that exact thing. So you could ask yourself, what was my heart rate like? You know, you said sweaty palms before, feeling nervous, pacing back and forth. So then address those things. So as a coach, when I'm working with people to minimize stress, what I'm doing is really trying to put the human body in a position to function in a state of peace because that's when you're operating at your best so how do i make someone reduce sweaty palms you know always drop their heart rate so i'll go to a breathing technique so as a speaker you know when i do keynote speaking events myself if i'm nervous i'll do a specific breath technique that i know drops my heart rate right right down drops wow. my brainwave activity right right down so i can really start to just calm my whole entire self down and be present in the moment go back to that now moment because if any point of me is like oh how's it gonna go or what do you think i'm all of a sudden i'm, I'm in the future because mm. i'm trying to predict how's my speech gonna go what am i gonna sound like i'm like okay you know what i can't control that right now what can i control so that's really what 
what I teach a lot of is who knows what's going to happen. Could totally suck. I could do the worst speech ever. But what I can't control that. What I can control right now is how I'm breathing because I know that if I zoomed in on some footage of myself talking well, I was calm. So let's just focus on being calm. So right now I'm in the moment. Right now I'm like, okay, sweet. I can control being calm because I can breathe right now. And then I realized, oh, I'm hunched over. Is hunched over how I looked in the video? No, I was actually tall and upright. And that's what made me feel good because I was allowing air to flow through my body. I was allowing my organs to be open. And that actually changed the physiology of how I felt. Oh, cool. I can control that now. I'll do that. Is my speech going to be awesome? Still don't know. Could totally suck. But I, don't, I can't control that. So now all I can control is making sure I'm calm, making sure that my body's in a good posture, and then making sure that I use my voice and deliver my speech. So right now, I've stayed in the now, and I have the best chance of success because all I'm focusing on is staying calm because I know that when I'm calm, I can talk the best. I'm focusing on keeping my physiology in a position that looked the same way when I delivered my best, which allows me to feel good because that's a key thing as well. And then the next thing I might focus on is, the tone of my voice to make sure I'm delivering it well. The rest is not up to me, whether it's a hit, whether the crowd cared or didn't care. I can't control it. So Mm -hmm. it's just like all I can control is right now. So to flip that around, that's what we do for people that are in a situation that looked up and went, holy shit, there's an entire massive, you know, football stadium about to collapse in front of me of water. What do I do? Well, I'm like, well, if I panic, it's not going to help. If I start moving around in circles, that's actually not going to help. What can I do? So I keep bringing it back to the now. And in that now moment, there's peace in that moment. Because if like, it's, it's the only moment you can go, well, let's think of something constructive that we know works. And by doing that, it feels right. And, and when, I, when everything feels right, it allows my body to expand versus contract. When something doesn't feel right, the physical response is literally hands clamp. You know, your neck, the the line on the back of your neck to your jaw tightens, stops blood flow to your brain. These are actual simple things that affect everything. And it's funny because, you know, like we all heard people say, oh, let's go to be positive, think of positive things and all this kind of stuff. This is actually a scientific step that happens before thoughts come in. So if you can set yourself up in a way that, actually allows thoughts to come in like you understand that process like this is changing that before thoughts happen so this is putting yourself in a situation before you're even feeling that because how you feel is then how you think if that do you get what i'm saying i do yes that's huge let me ask you this i'm so curious when you set out you know younger mark and you're like i'm gonna conquer this fear i'm gonna prove this and all that did you ever think that it would take you to this place where it's like controlling your mind, being in the now and, and changing, being able to change your state? No, no, I was such an ego freak. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to be the best big wave surfer in the world. And that's all I care about. <laughs> and it was, it was so funny. And I remember thinking, I got to a point where I was like, that just really seems quite empty, you know, like, mm. but it's a beautiful thing. If that's, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. And if someone's like, I want to just be the best athlete at this, that's awesome, you know, and, and I totally support anyone that wants to do what they want to do. But my personal calling really felt like this is your path. It really feels like for me, my path is to help people. Mm. Uh, and that's that's really what it feels like. And, but it's so much more rewarding. Like I initially thought that doing these things would fulfill me in a way that I never, you know, could imagine. And it was they were really short-term things. And what I find the most fulfilling and what gives me the most amount of love and joy is helping people like more mm-hmm. than anything. That's beautiful. Um, so yeah, my world changed completely. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And I just have to ask, cause you can't, you, you I remember you sharing about it with us with like the whole breath hold in piece. And it's really irrelevant how long you can hold your breath because if you're just sitting there floating in a pool, <laughs> it's not going to yeah, be the yeah. same environment as if like 60 foot waves are crashing on you. I just had a serious or a, a selfish, curious question. When you're under a big wave, like how long is it holding you under? Oh, if you're if you're literally getting smashed by mm-hmm. like say you know that sixty foot sort of size, you might be underwater for twenty five seconds on a big hold down, mm-hmm. and the velocity of the way you're moving around and getting spun 
is, you know, extremely high and intense. But that 20 seconds, or it often might only be 10 to 15, is so powerful. It literally feels like limbs are going to get pulled off. Mm. Like you feel like parts of your arms are getting ripped off your body. I remember being in positions where I could see my ankles in front of my eyes and I'm like, <laughs> you know, no matter how much I did yoga or whatever, I don't think I could ever physically get my body in that position without, wow. you know, like it must have been, you're getting like put in positions that your body would have to be close to breaking in, you know, that like you feel like everything just feels like getting pulled apart. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the best way to describe it is, Imagine something in a washing machine on turbo and then picture yourself as a little ant person being in there. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty good. Oh my gosh. And I and I have to imagine how much harder it is to hold your breath when all of that is happening, which is part of what you trained for so long for. That's yeah, just- and so then if we were to be realistic, if I was focusing on holding my breath, then uh, once again, I'm probably going to be in a state of fear because I don't want to do that in that situation I want to focus on the outcome that I want so I want to focus on relaxing my body I'll also have certain cues that I know that for example if I'm getting pushed towards land I'll be saying to myself oh this is a good thing you're actually getting pulled away from the impact zone where the Mm -hmm. next set's coming you're getting taken further and further away this is like a free ride in Mm. you know how lucky are you so there's all these different things that I know that I'm using to my advantage. And so I'm going through the process of that whole experience where there's never really a part where I'm like, okay, hold your breath. Because I think if I started to focus on that, then there's too many other things that are going on. Whereas I'm really focusing on letting go, totally relaxing now, you know, like whatever's happening as I'm spinning, just going, just telling myself, just let go, just let go, you know, and paying attention to all the other little things that are working to me to my advantage. So I'm really possibly in a state of almost happiness because I've trained myself to see it that way because I also understand the science of how it works. You know, if you can smile, how that actually releases serotonin, dopamine, endorphins to your brain, which is a natural pain receptor. So like when you understand that process too, you're like, well, if I can make this happen naturally to myself versus pain, fear, you know, that claustrophobic feeling of being held and trapped, you know, if I can change that to having my brain actually release these chemicals naturally, well, I'm going to do that. That's an awesome advantage right here. (laughs) So I really went to like great lengths to understand that, but it's been cool because I've seen fighters, you know, like Marcus Bruschetta, who's a, he's a 11 time world jiu-jitsu champion. When I explained this process to him, I could really see him the first time I actually explained it to him. He was reliving a fight. And at the time, he's a big guy. So he's a heavyweight jiu-jitsu fighter. And he was standing in front of me and I actually thought he was getting ready to fight me. <laughs> and I'm like, you are, are you all right? You know? And I'm like, it kind of looks like you're ready to kind of have a go at me. He's like, no, no, I was just reliving, you know, what you just said. And I remembered an experience of how he reckons he who was he'd lost a battle before it even happened because of being stuck too far ahead in the, in those moments of trying to predict what's going to happen versus being able to be here and now in those moments and it was it was really funny because I was watching it actually happen in his mind at the time but it was also a little intimidating because I thought he's going to try and fight me <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing but something you said too is really fascinating to me is when you're under the water don't focus on got to hold my breath which is like when someone gets into something, a, a, a wipeout in their business where everything's getting turned around, most people are focusing on survival. And it's yep. like, it's kind of like that, like hold your breath is like focusing on just trying to survive. And what I'm hearing from you, whether it's business life in general and something you're going through or, or surfing is like, no, 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 find that, find your happy place, get to that place of, of peace, thriving. Well, how do I thrive? How mm-hmm. do I thrive in this environment? How can wow. I make this environment work to my advantage? Because that's what I do. So if I put in a snapshot, someone who got hammered by a huge mountain of water is probably going, oh, my God, I'm getting thrashed around and this wave is is just throwing me along the water like a rag doll, whereas my perception of that is 
okay, this is great. I'm getting moved out of the impact zone. I'm now getting pushed into a safer area. I'm getting further away from where I didn't want to be. This is awesome. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be in a position soon where I'll be able to go and paddle in this direction or, you know, so the two different thoughts are the way I come up and feel versus the person that was thinking that it was, you know, how traumatic and terrifying it was. These are two different mind states. Those two people pop up from that situation and one's grateful, thankful, and, and ready to use the next situation to their advantage and the other's traumatised, freaking out and looking for the, you know, thinking that this could possibly be the end. So it's yeah. really about using those situations to your advantage. How do you make those turbulent times in your business, in your life, beneficial? You know, and it could, it could be like, oh, this is a real shakeup. But yeah, I didn't enjoy that period of, you know, our business where we were constantly getting stuck in this area, and now this shakeup has allowed me to realise that I can actually, you know, run this system or do this path, and that actually works better. It's more efficient, you know. And this might happen. There'll be ways out that will be more beneficial, and you'll be grateful for them. If that makes sense, it does. It absolutely makes sense and so powerful. This has been this has been amazing. I've got I've got one last question. I know you've got something really special for audience, and I'm really excited for you to share that with them. But just out of curiosity, in this journey for yourself, did you have to change your relationship with death itself? Did you have to? Did you change your relationship around your you know like God beliefs and and stuff like that? Can you speak to that? I think I my relationship was I had to let go of fear. So I had to let go of I could die or this could happen. And I wasn't reckless in any sense. Like I, people who wouldn't know me would suggest that I'm crazy or I'm this psycho guy. But then <laughs> when people actually know me, I'm the total opposite. So I, I'm always preparing and planning for those situations. So in my mind, I never had to prepare for death, so to speak, what I had to prepare for was how I was going to stay alive, feel safe, feel confident. So I never really, I just made sure that any situation I felt that could have been possibly life-threatening, that I wasn't going to put myself in that situation unless I knew that I was confident and could handle the possible scenarios. So I prepared for that. So I think that's the biggest thing. So like in like in business, if you would talk about in that sense, you know, if you're thinking of taking a leap to another area, it would be reckless to take a leap with no clue of what to do and how you're going to land and what's going to happen. The smarter approach would be, okay, well, if we do this, it could be a number of scenarios that could happen. So let's be aware of what they actually are. So when one of them arises, we can confidently know, okay, well, that's the direction we're going to head and we'll, we'll take that on. So that kind of minimizes those feelings far as like being closer to God, I think I was more of in a sense of <laughs> being closer to like understanding that everyone is connected in a way. Mm. I really understood the spiritual side of things a lot more, like understanding that, you know, it's, it's probably maybe another discussion, but um, <laughs> I have a, def- a definite understanding of a space that I didn't really, didn't really comprehend. There's much more than one you know, self, so to speak. Um, Yeah, it's probably definitely a a very deep topic. I became at peace with knowing that if I give my absolute all and I did everything I could and I prepared for every situation that could potentially be anything other than what I wanted, that I was okay with that situation happening, that was the main thing, being okay with whether I didn't succeed and whether I didn't ride the waves, you know, I rode 14 waves that night, whether I just didn't even get to ride one. I got to the point that I was okay with whatever happened because I'd given it my all. And I think that every individual needs to be okay with that, knowing that, you know, if you put in your absolute all, if you look at all the possible situations that could go right and wrong and you're prepared for it and you just did everything you could, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself to know that regardless of the outcome, you've done all you can. And if afterwards you've learned new experiences and you can readjust, resharpen those tools and go again, great. But if you realize that it's not for you and there's a different path you want to take, you know, that's okay too. I think the biggest part of this experience for me was learning not to be so harsh on myself. Like I said, to the point where someone couldn't love themselves or accept themselves unless they did, you know, stupid, <laughs> nearly kill them. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you finally realized that. But <laughs> now, because you went through that, you get to share all of this amazing stuff with us, and I truly appreciate. It. This has been extraordinary for you to share your story and and what you've learned and the experiences that you went through, so that you could teach it, so we don't have to go through them ourselves. Yeah. So thank you. Now I know you've prepared something really special. Can you talk about this? Because I know people want to learn more about how they can deal with fear, you know, manage fear, conquer it, if you will. Can you speak about this? Yeah. So we, I created a, um, a course, which is called the elite mindset. It's the same stuff I taught, you know, Kelly Slater, the elite military guys, top end business people. It's basically the process of how we manage fear, the process of that mind body connection and, and physically how it comes on and how we can actually learn to I guess, respond to those situations versus reacting to them. So we created a course and I really wanted to give away large sections of it just to help people. There is a part at the end of it if you wanted to go into the other stage, you can. But if you want just the free one, it's awesome and it's it gives you specific examples to do every day in understanding the process of how to unpack that bag of stress that we carry and the process of how that builds up and the ability to be able to function at your absolute highest in a work, sport, everyday life environment, you know, to be able to be in the now and mm. how we can get in the now the quickest. So that's what the free one actually does. It, it goes through that. So it'd be awesome to, to share that with yeah. as many people as possible and help as many people understand that process because it's not something that happens straight away. It's, it's a general build up and that was something that I learned that a lot of situations where I'd been overwhelmed by fear it wasn't that exact moment of fear that caught me off guard it was the build up in the process to that actual moment happening that threw me off and what I mean by that was there was a series of events that had happened which I had kind of basically just dismissed and stored in my backpack of life so to speak and when I got in those fearful overwhelming moments they were too overwhelming for me to process because I was so full of stress and other bits of anxiety that I've been carrying around from other experiences that had tipped me over the edge. So we yeah, I share the whole breakdown of how I literally had a mental breakdown when I was exiting an aircraft from 5,000 feet up and nearly died several times in a very short space of time, like, you know, three-second blocks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I nearly had a cable that ripped my head off and then I nearly went out behind a jet ski that, parachute was going to explode in my face but talking about the process of how all of that happened and how that could have been minimized and it wasn't actually those crazy moments it was the build-up and I think a lot of people would experience that in their everyday life bringing home life into work life work life into home life those kind of situations because that's actually what I had done and then I had brought that into a a situation that was intense that I had trained for, but then it was enough to push me over the edge to the point where I literally couldn't see, say you were standing in front of me and you would say, hey, Mark, and I'd be like, man, I can't see you. Mm. That, that's what happened. My mind literally blanked out. And, and it happens to people in uh, all sorts of environments, and, and I think it would be a really cool thing to share and help people understand that process so they can minimize it and live a happier life. Absolutely. Oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. Do you have a link for us right now? Uh, yeah, the link, I'll, I'll send you the link. And okay. You can, uh, you can stick well, it where you... Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where we stick the links. Uh, yeah, Mark's in the process of setting that, that still up. This is a brand new training. Like he said, this is bits and pieces of a paid course. So it's not just some yeah. like free fluffy thing. This is part of his, his existing system that he's trained a lot of amazing people in. We want to make sure you guys get it for free. So I'll let you guys know what the link is when we got it. We'll link it up in the show notes and all of our emails and all that stuff. Because look, guys, you know, I've had to deal with and manage fear and all that stuff in business. And you guys do too, whether it is that first Facebook Live or that first webinar or whatever it is, you know, and we mask it, we hide it, we, you know, have our logical, oh, I'm just not ready yet and whatnot. And when we turn around like Mark did and say, I'm going to conquer this thing, I'm going to figure this thing out, I'm going to manage, I'm going to master it, then uh, I think we start a whole new chain of events in a whole new direction in our lives. So this has been amazing, buddy. I'm so stoked for you to share your story and all your, your wisdom and experience. So thank you. Thank you so much. 
And is there any other way for people to connect with you? Like, are you on the social medias and stuff? Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I'm a bit of a shocker with the online <laughs> side of things. <laughs> the internet doesn't work in the water, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a I have a Facebook page and a, um, an Instagram one. But yeah, look. At the end of the day, I'm just stoked to share the message mm-hmm. of of what I'm, you know, what I'm helping people with. And the more we can help, the better. You know, like I'm really stoked on that kind of stuff, and I'm I'm really privileged to be on this podcast. I think you're doing amazing things mm. for people and giving them these opportunities, you know, to understand new things. I think that's really, really cool. And people, you know, obviously realize it takes a lot of your time and it's, you know, it's not something that you can just do every single day. So it's right. great that, um, that you're doing that for people. And thanks, mate. So, mm, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. So guys, you know, we'll, we'll link up all of Mark's uh, social stuff so you can reach out to him, share how this episode has impacted you. And we'll link up all his free training for you to guys get started. So Mark, thank you again so much, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. And, and thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in and sticking with us to the end. What a great episode. So thank you. And we'll see you here on the Mind Your Business podcast next time, next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.